Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. My name is Jeff Lucas here on Premier Christian Radio, joining you all the way from Colorado. This week, we're thinking about a subject that is both complex and serious, but one that we Christians really need to talk about. And not just in terms of reflecting on this for other people's sake, because believe me, addiction is alive and not well, but it's certainly alive even in the church. I've never been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, although I am planning a trip. Most of the gatherings are open only to those who battle with alcohol addictions, but they do welcome interested parties to their occasional open meetings. I'd like to attend one, not because I've got a problem with the bottle or because of a voyeuristic fascination, but to pay my respects and learn from their methodology. Addiction, it's an epidemic in our culture, and as I said, it's in the church too. There's one part of AA meetings that's particularly well known. That's the way each person introduces themselves when they get up to share with the rest of the group. Instead of just offering their name, they preface their comments with a stark confession. Hello, my name is John and I'm an alcoholic. Hi John, responds the group. At first glance, that procedure might seem cliched at best and negative at worst. Surely the idea behind these support groups is to enable someone who feels hopeless to know that change is possible, that they can emerge from the quicksand of addiction and the lifestyle that has sucked the life from them. Why stay trapped in the negative identity of alcoholism even after years of sobriety? But look again. Addiction hides itself behind denial. The compulsive drinker insists that there's just no problem they just enjoy a drink or five drinks, that everyone needs whiskey with their cornflakes once in a while. They can give it up any time they like, they say. But they can't. And as long as the self-deception continues, the addiction grows deeper. When we're brave enough to admit that we're sinking, when we realise our vulnerability, then recovery begins. But denial can quickly lead to disaster. Right from the very early days of being a follower of Jesus, I knew that I was called to freedom. The Bible is a freedom charter. We are no longer helpless prisoners of sin. Through all that Jesus did on the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives today, we are the freedom family. And yet, despite all this, it's still easy to live shackled lives addictions don't announce themselves. An email is not automatically dispatched to the person who is systematically abusing alcohol to tell them that they are now officially an alcoholic. And perhaps addiction bites us because of isolation. Many Christians struggle on alone, afraid to admit either to God or humans that they are bound, believing that they are not good enough to seek his face and that others will reject them if they confess. But without outside help, freedom is often not possible. And the grip of addiction comes in a variety of guises, food, sex, approval, and even religion. If statistics are to be believed, there are many Christians who live their lives shackled to addictive behaviour. So we do well to pause and ask ourselves a blunt question. Are we under the control of anything? Is there a pattern in our lives that is compulsive, and to which we've quietly become addicted. 
Perhaps it's time to look into the mirror and fully own the reflection that we see, even if there's ugliness in plain sight. And if the person that stares back at us is addiction-free, let's still beware and realise that however whole and healthy we may be right now, we still have the potential to fall headlong. Over the years, I've watched both prominent and unknown Christians make disastrous choices that have put their lives and the lives of others around them on the rocks. When a private scandal becomes public knowledge, I've frequently heard a deafening sound of tut-tutting and then amazement at the sordid revelation. How could they do such a thing? I could never do that. It's the latter statement that really troubles me, the notion that we are basically good people who could never venture into something terribly bad. For one thing, we all share a common humanity, and humanity is fallen. Those who are guilty of both minor and major atrocities are related to us, to me, to you. We all have the same streak of inherent sinfulness as any Nazi, any death row murderer, any terrorist. When we say, I could never do that, we place ourselves in great peril. The knowledge that we too are vulnerable should make us ever more vigilant and careful. Perhaps that's why we are told that we should watch when we stand, lest we fall. The knowledge of our own sinfulness should make us not only more compassionate to others who fail, but more alert and diligent about our own lives today. Those who are blind to the terrible potential of their fragile humanness are surely more likely to crumble in the face of temptation. Some of us have not committed adultery, but it wasn't steely moral fortitude that has saved us. Chances are we simply haven't had the opportunity, and so we remain untested. While we might determine to never fail, we shouldn't conclude that we could never fail. The late great Charles Colson, himself a man who had known spectacular public failure during the Watergate scandal, records a moment when one man was faced with the potential of his own fallenness. Yahail Dinur, a survivor of Auschwitz, testified against Adolf Eichmann, the Nazi architect of the Holocaust, during the Nuremberg trials. During the 1961 proceedings, Dina walked into the courtroom to come face to face with the man responsible for his incarceration in that hellish camp 18 years earlier. Suddenly, a dam broke inside Dina and he began to sob uncontrollably. And then he fainted, collapsing in a heap on the floor as the judge yelled for order in the packed courtroom. But Dina was not overcome by hatred or paralysed by fear or even tormented by horrid memories. He was devastated by the awful realisation that Eichmann was not some godlike superhuman army officer who had sent so many to their deaths. Eichmann was just an ordinary man, the guy next door. I was afraid about myself, said Dina. I saw that I am capable to do this. I am exactly like him. So, as followers of Jesus, let's never forget the stunning potential for beauty that is ours as saints impelled and steadily transformed by the Holy Spirit. But with that, let's never lose sight of the dark potential of our human fragility either. A sober assessment of ourselves will lead us to affirm that, with God's help, we won't but let's never say that we never could. Lucas on Life. 
talking about a challenging subject today, the subject of addictions, and asking questions. How can we move beyond things that might grip us and control us? What can we do to put good safety controls into our own lives? When Kay, my wife and I, go out to eat in restaurants, there's always a guarantee of live entertainment. This is not because we frequent jazz clubs. It's just that our habit of covertly listening to other diners' conversations has proven to be quite a winner, real life often being more interesting than a show. It's more about people-watching than voyeurism, but it can be compelling. Kay has occasionally hushed me when I've attempted a little natter over the food on the basis that listening to other people's chit-chat is far more interesting than tuning in to me. Perhaps I should buy her some surveillance equipment for her birthday, although I'm not sure that mobile satellite dishes come in pink. During a recent busy preaching tour, I told Kay that I sometimes get sick of the sound of my own voice. She said that she understood completely how I feel. Recently, our dining spying hobby provided us with a truly fascinating evening. We knew that something a little different was afoot when we pulled into the hotel car park. This place is famed both for its food and conference facilities. We quickly learned that it was packed with delegates who were attending one of those self-help seminars where success in love, life, cash and confidence is all guaranteed for a price. We steered around some of the attendees who were scattered around the car park, their brows furrowed in concentration their hands busy in the act of creation, because out there in the car park, they were making things with putty. Now, we're not sure what their exact assignment was. Were they making the shape that would best represent their emotional state, the shape of their favourite animal, or perhaps this would symbolise a warm childhood memory or some long-gone trauma? We desperately tried to get a hint from the shape of their putty creations, but frankly, it looked like they were all on a mission to make putty's sausages. Our dessert was interrupted by one of the delegates, sporting a, Hi, my name is Jane, stick-on badge in thick marker pen. She approached our table, obviously on another assignment designed to boost her confidence. Hello, and how are you two tonight? She trilled in a terrified voice so high on the octave scale that local dogs were probably howling. She then proceeded to gallop her way through a number of inane statements and questions, her task obviously to engage in a conversation with complete and total strangers. We were unnerved by her wild staring look and obvious discomfort, but we empathised and played along because we know how she felt. We've been on some of those evangelism courses. Now please understand, I I'm not mocking the delegates who had probably forked out large sums of cash in order to learn to help themselves, even if I question the value of sausage-making in car parks. I applaud anyone who is on a search for truth, who seeks to understand the mysterious inner space of themselves a little more, or who is doing more than sipping another Heineken and then punching the remote for the latest episode of Corrie. But while self-awareness, education and development are all vital, as Christians, we return to the core truth that self-help might be helpful, but that we are not our final resource. And this is especially important when we consider the subject of addictions. Jesus drives a proverbial truck through our pretensions and independent ambitions, announcing, without me, you can do nothing. 
That's a statement that could only come from a megalomaniac unless, of course, the Son of God said it. It's good for us to remember that Jesus is not an optional extra, an available resource for the religiously inclined, or a handy help for the sad limping types who need a crutch to help them through life. He's the bottom line. He's the X factor. We were all of us created to know him, and without him we are not truly alive or functioning in our fullest potential as human beings. It's not odd to be a follower of Christ, although there are some odd followers of Christ. To follow him, for this we were born, or perhaps more specifically, in him we were born. Without him, at best, we all hobble. Without him, our addictions can tower over us. After coffee and a bit more ear-cupping surveillance, Kay popped off to the loo. Another self-help devotee was in there, a lady who was nursing a bruised and bloodied arm. She'd been taught during the seminar that she'd help herself greatly by karate chopping a concrete block in half. Despite the most fervent concentration, she'd failed and injured herself in the process. Let's not march or meander into independent living. We face the same subtle temptations, not so much to rebel against God, but to just place distance between him and us and live as those who are alone. We try and grit our teeth. When faced with addictions, we grit our teeth, try and tough it out. Let's allow that somewhat bruised karate lady to be a lesson to us all. Living with only self as our source will hurt and that is especially true when we try and stare down, challenge and defeat the Goliath of addiction. Lucas on Life So what's it going to take for us to actually tower over the addictions that can tower over us? And it might be that as you've tuned in to Premiere tonight, you're very aware that uh, there's something that is controlling you rather than you being in control of it. As I said earlier in the show, perhaps breaking out of the dungeon of denial is important. It really is no good just to pretend that you can deal with this, that you can stop that pattern of destructive behaviour anytime you like. The reality is admitting that you can't can be a first step to freedom. Let's get rid of that twisted logic that can deceive us, that can suggest to us, well, it's not really an issue, surely everybody's doing it. And then liberation can come as we break the power of secrecy. The Bible tells us to confess our faults one to another so that we might be healed. There is something so empowering, so liberating when we are able to go to someone that we trust and break the power of isolation as we share our struggles with them. I suppose as we wrap this show up, that leads me back to the truth as someone who loves the church and who is occasionally extremely frustrated by the church, mainly because I love her. It brings us back to the truth that we need each other. Writing to the persecuted Christians in the, in the city, the Roman colony of Philippi, the Apostle Paul, himself a prisoner at that time, 
told them to stand firm in one spirit. The Greek word that he uses there portrays the image of Roman soldiers all with their shields who, going into battle, suddenly huddle together and create a massive shelter of those shields. What Paul was saying is that we are not called to do life by ourselves. We are called to do life together in relationship, in community, not just attending church, but being part of it. It may be, as you've listened in to tonight's program, that right now you're feeling it would be good to talk with someone and allow them, yes, to pray with you as well. Why not call the Premier Lifeline? That's 0300 111 Let me give that again. Premier Lifeline, that's 0300 111 And the lines are open right now. They're open from 9am till midnight. Thanks for joining me. See you next time. Lucas on Life.